we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, G, U corner, half back, flat, on two, ready, right. Now here's your host, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42, Blue 42. All right, Bob, we are, we are grabbing a squeegee right now and we are... We are squeezing as much football content as we can get out (laughs) because it is July 7th, and goodness gracious, we have far too long until football season kicks off once again. So I'm really reaching when it comes to these questions, but I feel like like they're solid questions. So Brandon Staley is the new head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, and here's what he had to say about Justin Herbert now going into his second year. I wanted our offense to run through Justin Herbert. I wanted him to make it work, and I think that's what's been fun to sort of get started. Ultimately, those are the most dangerous quarterbacks you defend, where the quarterback becomes the system. Does that work? And I ask that because I felt like last year was probably the closest we have seen to the Seahawks deciding... Russell Wilson is the system. It feels like there needs to be a little bit more balance than just having it be the quarterback alone. Now, that said, it's worked for Aaron Rodgers. It's worked for Patrick Mahomes. Maybe with a different offensive coordinator, it could work for Russell Wilson. But can an offense truly run through its quarterback alone? So when you say that, I think of the guys you just mentioned, like Patrick Mahomes. that, That offense runs through him, right? Um, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, even Tom Brady. And when we say runs through the quarterback, I picture him going to the line of scrimmage, making his adjustments. He's making the final decisions, and you're going to throw the ball more more than you run the football. But I still don't believe it can because you still have to be a threat in the run game. You still have to be. You still have to do something that says, "Look, you don't just have to defend the pass in this quarterback. You got to defend this running back. Uh, you got to defend this type of scheme." So uh, offense running through a quarterback is kind of like an illusion, man, because even though you see Patrick Mahomes throw the football down the field a thousand times, uh, the defense still has to count for that running back. I mean, the the offensive coordinator, the head coach, they're still making decisions. The, and you know what? Let me take this back. The last time I seen an offense truly run through a quarterback is Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning at the Denver Broncos. like He was the team. He was the coach. He was the offensive coordinator, but he only got to that status because he put in so much time that he was one of the smartest dudes to ever play the game. So later, later in your career, when you're in your later 30s and stuff, you've been around, you've been there, done that, you have more control. At the younger stages of a quarterback's career, it can't just run through him. He might be smart. He might be savvy. He knows the game. But um, you need guys around him, and you need a run game. And I'm a receiver guy. I'm a pass-first type of dude. You still need to be a run threat. So it can work later in a quarterback's career, I feel like. But right now, Russ needs a run game. Russ needs guys around him. Russ needs to be, I wouldn't say um, his handheld through this thing, but he needs to be able to bounce ideas off, off of guys and stuff. It's not just him alone. So right now, no. You get to Peyton Manning status, yes. He's in a weird crossroads of his career, right, where – the athleticism is no longer something that he can always pull out of his, for lack of a better term, backpack, equipment belt. <laughs> what do they call it in Batman? Utility belt. Utility can't pull belt. it out of his yeah. utility belt necessarily in the same way that he used to be able to. But you expect as a quarterback gets older and wiser, 
that they can get to the level that Peyton Manning was. Maybe that's asking too much for any quarterback. Tom Brady's level two. But you would think over time that that's going to become more of a weapon for Russ than the thing that's always been his get-out-of-jail-free card. Where do you think he is in terms of getting to that level? Because it's it's hard to get to Peyton Manning's level or Tom Brady's level. That's not meant as yeah. a slight on Russell Wilson. And no. look, we know Russ puts the work in. I, I mean, I think he's one of the hardest-working quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I, I'll never question him on that. It's, though, a question of can you get to those two's level? Because I think that's going to be his biggest asset late in his career. If he can become the kind of Mensa that those two were. I think he can get to that level if the coaching staff allows him to. Pete Carroll isn't going to be here forever. He's going to have to deal with a different head coach. He's on his third offensive coordinator. It's all about his relationship with those two guys, the head coach and offensive coordinator. Do they believe that he can do it? Now, last year he felt disrespected, right? He shows up on a Thursday, has some ideas for the Cardinals game, and they kind of say, yeah, 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 Russ, we got this. Let's move along. He can get there. I don't think he's there yet. I think maybe three two, three more years possibly. It's all about what he does this year, honestly. Like, you got a new OC. You got, you're in a new situation. Can you show that you can pick up uh, pretty much a new offense? I'm sure they have some of the same concepts and verbiage and all that. But it's all about his development now. He kind of hit the reset button on that a bit because he has a new OC. But uh, he's got to be good with his head coach and his offensive coordinator. They got to they got to be speaking the same language. They got to look at each other and and know what each other are thinking. They got to finish each other's sentences, Paul. They got to be on that type of level. I think he can get there. I do. Have you ever gotten on that level? Can you and your wife finish each other's sentences? Most definitely. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's always impressive the people that actually can do that, but then it gets a little bit creepy after just a bit of time. I always feel like it's actually something that's more likely to be seen in a movie than it is in actual real life. But congratulations that you're able to do that. Question number two. (laughs) The Athletic had a piece listing the 32 breakout stars for every single team in the NFL for 2021. I was surprised by the Seahawks one. Puna Fork. I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case because I feel like if we're going to talk about breakout star, we're talking about a person who is going to get a lot of accolades. A defensive tackle yeah. seems to be one of the most thankless positions in the NFL. If you had to make a pick, who do you think will be the Seahawks breakout star in 2021? First, big ups, Puna Ford. Love that dude. Love his motor. He, he reminds me of a Warren Sapp. Not as good, but the whole body type, the way he plays. It's, like you said, it's hard for an interior lineman to do that unless you're Aaron Donald and you're just a beast. Now, who's going to be the breakout star for the Seattle Seahawks? It's the new guy to me. It's Gerald Everett. We haven't seen him. We're, we're anticipating his arrival. I saw what he can do with the Rams with Waldron being the passing game coordinator. He can do a little bit of everything, and that's what you ask tight ends to do these days. they got to block. They have to be able to catch passes, screens. You can move them on the outside. He's going to be one of the most versatile players on the field. As a tight end, you should be one of the most versatile players on the field because of the things I just said that ask you to do so much. So I think it's going to be Gerald Everett. In a breakout season, again, it's he's not going to go for 1,000 yards, right? He's not, he's not going to be the leading receiver on this team, but he is going to make some plays, I feel like, that we haven't seen at the tight end position since Seattle's favorite tight end, Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham was great <laughs> in the red zone. Say what you want about Jimmy. He produced. He was good at catching that rock, man. Ten, ten uh, red zone touchdowns while he was with the Seahawks. So I think that we're going to see Gerald Everett 
kind of snowball into this thing. And you're going to see him flash a few more times. You're going to be like, man, we haven't seen that at the tight end position. And then you know what that's going to do? It's going to get Uncle Will some love, too, because if that guy can stay healthy, man, I like that one-two combo at the tight end spot. I've always been curious as to why in Los Angeles, Everett, who is a early second-round pick, wasn't the favorite tight end in the way that Tyler Higby seemed to be, and he was a later pick. And again, you don't want to put too much stock into where a guy is drafted. But I did find it surprising that that's a guy that they said, you know what, yeah, we've we've seen what we want to see, and I don't think that they look at him in Los Angeles and think that he was bad for them, but they definitely expected more out of him considering they let him walk. Yeah, and and I think Higby and, and Everett, their, their numbers were comparable as well. So maybe it was just a personality thing, or maybe they want to get Higby the rock more. It's all it's all personal preference in this league, man. All you need is one coach to like you or one coach not to like you, and you're in or you're out. But um, Everett was good enough to where he was going to get on the roster regardless. Higby is a good football player as well. It's not like they, they let him go for a bum. Higby can play. Question number three. And yes, he can. It's very annoying the amount of players on the Rams that – at least in years past when Jared Goff wasn't, you know, a shell of <laughs> the average quarterback that he was at one point above average when he had that season in 2017. He could always find his Robert Woods, it's it's Tyler Higby, it's Gerald Everett. Some random dude's going to be wide open over the middle of the field for the Rams against the Seahawks. So hopefully that's not the case this coming season. Question number three. I saw it from the Greenlight podcast. Andrew Whitworth, the tackle for the Los Angeles Rams, talking about Nick Bosa. And he said, I think he's one of the most powerful kids I've ever felt. In the run game, pass game, everything. He's got some serious pop. He's going to be healthy this coming season in a division that now also features J.J. Watt. At least for now, features Chandler Jones. We're still not sure what's happening with Chandler Jones in Arizona, by the way. He does not necessarily want to be there this coming season. I think he's a little annoyed that after a season where he wasn't very good before the injury that he suffered, that J.J. Watt is now getting paid a lot of money, and he's sitting there, a guy who's had some of the most sacks in the NFL over the last decade or so, and not maybe getting that second raise that I think he would like. But the Cardinals have pass rushers. The 49ers have pass rushers. And we know that the Rams have Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd, who for whatever reason has 800 million sacks against the Seahawks. Is the Seahawks offensive line up for this year's challenge in a healthier NFC West? Because much like I think the Seahawks secondary is going to be facing better quarterbacks this year, the Seahawks offensive line will be going up against a better pass rush on a regular basis in this division. Yeah, there's no doubt this offensive line is going to be challenged this year, and there's no doubt this secondary is going to be challenged this year. I think I was on with you last week. You, you made a great point. Like It's a bunch of baller quarterbacks coming in. And a lot of these quarterbacks have had success against Pete Carroll. But I'm going to say the secondary is going to be under more pressure. Why? Because this offensive line is known to give up sacks. It's not like it's not like everyone's expecting them to be world beaters and all of a sudden Russell's only going to be sacked 23 times. Dude is sacked like 40 times a year. Mm-hmm. This, that's just what this offensive line has done in recent history. So I don't think anything's going to change. Do I think they're going to cut those numbers down by half? No. I think they can be better. I think they can keep them upright 10, 15 more times. But this secondary is going to have to hold it down because we know where this game is going, Paul. Everyone wants to toss the thing up in the air for 500 yards a game, and they're going to be tested. In, in the secondary, when you play that cover three, it's keep everything in front of you type stuff. So when you're playing a defense where it says, okay, keep everything in front of you and you get beat deep, 
man, they're going to be all over this secondary. You got new guys, DJ Reed. Well, not a new guy, but you yeah. know, he came in late last year. Yeah, we're the spoon on the other side. We don't know what he's going to look like yet. I think he's going to be okay. But the offensive line has given up sacks. If they do not give up as many sacks, that is a surprise. I think the secondary is going to be under a lot of pressure. What you said about the sacks jumped out from this perspective. Shane Waldron obviously needs to make this offense a little bit more efficient. We've seen Russ get sacked 40-plus times every single year in his career. They need to shrink that number in some way, shape, or form this season. And I think part of that is going to be on Shane Waldron, and that part of that is also going to be on Russ. And it's interesting. I, I you know I look at the offensive line. I, I, I think I'm with you in that it's not necessarily the offensive line here. And again, they were at fault for some of the sacks that Russ has taken over his entire history here. But I think it's going to be on Waldron and Russ to shrink that number. And, you know, if we talk about football being a, a game that's separated by just a couple of plays, I think you got to shrink that number by at the very least five sacks this coming season. Like, I want, let's get close to 30. I don't know if that's a goal that they have in mind, but I think it should be one. I, I think that's something they should have a, a serious effort towards this coming year. Just cutting that number down. Being a little bit more careful about avoiding those things. Yeah, and that's a group project, Paul. You know, you can't you can't have that one kid who does nothing, but he stands up in front of the class, he smiles, he holds the poster board and, and says, look, I'm part of this. You need that offensive line to perform. You need Shane to call plays to get the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands, and then Russell Wilson has to execute and do the same. It's going to take all of them to get this thing done. It's a group project, collective effort. It can be done, and I'm with, I think they need to – Get down into the 30s. Just get into the 30s when it comes to that, that sack number, and I think we'll see improvement. I think we'll see more explosive plays, even though the Hawks are known for those those downfield throws. Um, like I said, it's going to be a project. It can be done. It's going to take everybody, but I'm still leaning on the secondary when it comes to who's going to have more pressure. That is Michael Bumpus with Blue 42. You can hear Blue 42 every single morning on Danny and Gallant at 8 o'clock.